Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Businesses of all sizes have been affected by COVID-19. In response to this, Post Media Solutions has created a five-step guide aimed to help you adapt your business during this global crisis. To get this free guide, visit postmediasolutions.com slash adapt. The Government of Canada has launched a lineup of programs aimed to help Canadians suffering the economic fallout from the coronavirus pandemic. What exactly are these programs and how might they help you? I'm Emily Jackson and you're listening to Down to Business. This week, we're joined by Jamie Gollenbeck, Managing Director of Tax and Estate Planning with CIBC and National Post columnist. He joined me to discuss Ottawa's plan to offer $101 billion in direct support through emergency benefits and wage subsidies, along with another $55 billion in tax deferrals. I want to start with the taxes, as you are the tax guy. So tax payment and filing deadlines, these have been pushed back a little bit. What's going on here and what are the pros and the cons of waiting to file and pay your taxes? Well, I think the most important thing we need to remember is that uh, they've extended the main deadline to June the 1st. So normally we have to file our returns by April 30th. But for personal taxes this year, you have to file until uh, June the 1st. Uh, if you're self-employed, you've always had till June the 15th for you and your spouse, so no change there. Probably the most important significant change is the payment deadline. It used to be that you had to pay any amount owing by April the 30th. Uh, they've now extended that to September the 1st to pay any balance owing on your 2019 tax return. That being said, most people, like almost 90% of Canadians, get a tax refund every year. So if you expect a refund uh, because you've got deductions that weren't taken into an account from your employer, like RSP deductions or childcare expenses or you know deductible spousal support, you probably want to file as soon as possible. You file electronically, you file online, either you know by yourself using NetFile or by going to a professional tax preparer or bookkeeper, and uh, they'll file it e-file, and that way you can try to get your tax refund as little as, as 10 business days. Right, so the benefits really are for people who are expecting to have to owe the government a little bit of money. But if you are expecting a refund, essentially filing sooner is probably going to be the most beneficial for you. Absolutely. I mean, it's just giving you more time to get paperwork in order. And certainly if you don't have everything all together, it's giving you that extra month in case there's delays in mail and in meeting with a, you know, a tax preparer. But in most cases, you try to want to get this done as soon as possible, uh, recognizing that there could be delays just on the tax preparation side as people are sort of working from home. And it may be harder to get your information to your preparer if you use a third party. Yeah, I even had to uh, email HR today to ask for a copy of my T4. So I think the whole working from home thing does throw a wrench into things. What do you think the benefit of this tax deferral for the those who do have to pay, you know, they have in, uh, deferred the installment payments. Why do you think that is going to be a benefit or how do you think that will benefit Canada during this pandemic? 
Well, I think uh, there are many Canadians that do have to file taxes by installments, uh, freelancers, you know, anyone who's not getting uh, money taken off at source, anyone who works for Uber, you know, self-employment. Uh, if you owed more than $3,000 of taxes in a prior year, you may have to make installments. If you do, you know who you are because the CRA has reached out to you either by mail or by email uh, telling you you have to make these quarterly installments. So what they've done for this year alone is they have deferred your um, requirement to pay that June installment, which is normally due on June the 15th, again, until September the 1st. And what else allow you to do is have that extra cash flow that you might read right now for you and your family for, you know, April, May, June, July, August, just to get you through the summer. You've got the use of the extra cash flow at the end of the summer by September 1st you can catch up and make that, that June 15th installment. So it's really a way of providing uh, individuals with that extra cash flow uh, during the year and during this crisis where um, you know employment and self-employment income might be severely down, if not completely eliminated altogether. So it's essentially it's helping on cash flow, but really emphasizing that you still do have to pay this down the line. You have to pay it and not just cash flow, but also, uh, you know, interest. So, for example, uh, normally if you miss an installment, uh, you have to pay interest on that late filed installment and that can be quite expensive. They're giving you effectively an interest free loan on the installment from June all the way till September the 1st. So helping you manage cash flow and also not having to borrow to make that uh, installment. So some positive moves for people who are dealing with self-employment and trying to figure out how those tax installments will help them. Some other benefits that the government has boosted during this time include an increase to the GST credit and an increase to the Canada Child Benefit. How many people are expected to benefit from this and how do you think these measures will be helpful? Well, the GST uh, HST credit doesn't apply to everyone. It only applies to low and modest income Canadian families. So government's estimating that about 12 million uh, Canadian families will benefit from this. This is going to be a special one-time payment. They just announced recently that it's going to be made actually the second week of April, uh, which is very, very positive. Uh, they're going to double the maximum annual uh, GST or HST payments for the year. And that's going to work out to an additional $400 uh, approximately for single people and $600 per couple. And uh, so that's going to be very, very helpful. That's a one-time payment. And then they're also going to increase the Canada Child Benefit. So many families, approximately 3.5 million families that have children will benefit from this. They're going to increase the maximum amount for $300 for every child. And that's going to come in May. So on average, they're estimating approximately $550 per family and about three and a half million families uh, with children will benefit. So again, ways to get cash into people's hands as soon as possible, given all of the uh, uh, rising unemployment that we're seeing right now. That's right. Now, when it comes to people who are retired um, and who are making use of their registered retirement income fund, there has been some changes to the withdrawal rules for those funds. Wondering if you can walk us through what is going on there and how this could affect how Canadians uh, access money right now. Well, absolutely. The general rule is if you have a RIF, a RIF is really just a continuation of an RRSP. Uh, by the end of the year, you turn 71. You have to convert your RSP uh, 
to a RIF or to an annuity. And most people choose the RIF. The Registered Retirement Income Fund basically is a continuation of the RSP. There is a legislated requirement to take out what's called a minimum amount every year. That minimum amount is based on the fair market value of your RIF on January 1st of that year, multiplied by a specified percentage starting around 5% at age 72. The government announced that for 2020, in recognizing the fact that markets have been volatile, we've seen dramatic drops in the stock market so far uh, this year, what they've done is they've reduced the required minimum withdrawal from a RIF by 25%. So in other words, if at the beginning of the year you had to take out, let's say, $10,000 from a RIF based on the opening fair market value at the beginning of the year and how old you are. And there's a chart that you can go online and find out what that minimum amount is. Now you have to withdraw 25% less of that amount in 2020. So $10,000 minimum could become, for example, $7,500 minimum. So it's important to reach out to your financial institution, your RIF uh, provider, just to see how your RIF is being paid to you and whether or not there's an opportunity to stop uh, payments and lower it to the new reduced minimum amount. Now, why keep that minimum um, withdrawal amount there in the first place? I, I can imagine a lot of people that are retired are seeing their investments just plummet right now if they have heavy investments in the stock market. It seems like if they allowed them to pause withdrawals completely, they could have a chance to improve that or to improve their financial position if the stock market does rise after this expected recession. I'm wondering what what you think about that. Well, a couple of uh, thoughts there. First of all, most people need the money from their RIF. So most Canadians are taking out the minimum. They might be taking out more because that's really how they're living in, in terms of retirement. For those that don't need the money, there certainly is some debate. Should the government have gone further? Uh, should they have not forced people to withdraw that money uh, at all uh, in 2020? And that's a debate that uh, we can have from a policy perspective. But I think the government wants to, uh, you know, they, they get tax on the money when you take it out and they want to get some of their revenues, I think, back. Um, the other thing to remember, it's important to remember, is that when you take the money out, you don't actually have to sell the stock. You don't have to sell the mutual fund. You don't have to sell the other underlying investment. You can actually withdraw the investment in kind. In other words, you're taking out the value of those shares so that if it does go back up in value, you won't lose out by selling that. You don't actually have to sell your investments. You just have to deregister 25% of that, uh, less than 25% less of the minimum amount. So uh, again, it's not forcing you to sell. Uh, of course, if the stuff goes up in value, there'll they'll be a gain. But at the end of the day, I think this is the right direction. Uh, could the government have gone further? Absolutely. Why they chose not to probably comes down to dollars and uh, in terms of the revenue that they would lose by eliminating the requirement to withdraw minimums at all. With this big spending project, you know they're going to need all that revenue they can get. On the other end of the demographic spectrum, the government is helping out students a little bit. They are changing the rules temporarily when it comes to paying back student loans, what will this entail? Again, a very modest uh, change for students. A lot of students have been sort of writing and calling and saying it's not enough. But uh, what they have done for students is basically introduced a six-month interest-free moratorium on the repayment of Canada student loans, apprentice loans, for any individual that was in the process of repaying the loan. So that means no payments are required. And no interest will be added on to those loans uh, from that period beginning on March the 30th and ending on September the 30th. So six-month period. That's very positive news, but it doesn't help people who are currently a student and don't have a student loan. 
So those are the tax changes. I want to talk now about some of the new programs the government has introduced to try to help people through this pandemic. One of the biggest programs is the Canada Emergency Response Benefit, which launched on Monday, April 6th. So essentially, it's going to provide 500 bucks a week for 16 weeks for people who have lost all of their income because they've lost their jobs or can't work due to COVID-19. This is expected to cost Ottawa a total of $24 billion. I'm wondering if you can walk us through how it's different from EI, who is actually eligible for this, and what difference it can make. Well, I can tell you that the truth is that the the rules are changing uh, nearly daily. There was another announcement uh, on uh, Monday morning of April the 6th. So where, where we stand right now is that the Canada Emergency Respondent Benefit, that's going to be the $2,000 a month or $500 a week, work a week, is available to uh, any individuals who stop working and they're not earning money. So not earning employment income, not earning self-employment income as a result of, of COVID-19. It applies to anyone who has lost their jobs or if you have your job, but you're not being paid. Uh, Also available to anyone who's sick or quarantined or taking care of someone who's sick or even parents who have to stay home and and take care of their kids. The parents aren't getting paid, but the kids don't have school, don't have daycare. So parents are staying home. If you quit your job voluntarily, it doesn't apply. So the basic rule is you got to be 15 years of age. You got to be a resident of Canada, have a social insurance number, and you have to have a minimum of $5,000 of either self-employment or employment income or maternity or paternity benefits under the EI program either last year or in the 12 months prior to your particular date. And and you can't have any income at all uh, for 14 days. Now, in uh, the announcement on Monday, April the 6th, the Prime Minister is reconsidering that condition. So it may very well be in the days ahead that they change that because they say it's unfair. What if people have a bit of income but just not a lot of income, does that mean they don't get any benefit? And that remains to be seen. And that's certainly a valid consideration that they might be looking at. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. The You know, this is such a fast introduction of a program, especially when we're talking on government terms. But I thought it was interesting that Trudeau indicated if people have lost enough hours that they're now working less than 10 hours per week. It's not clear what the cutoff will be exactly, but it seems that they're trying to make room for people in those situations. Do you think these changes are appropriate? Absolutely, because I don't think people should be disincentivized not to do any work at all. I mean, the economy needs it. We need to get people working if they can, if it's safe for them to do that. So to basically say, we're going to give you $2,000 a month from the government only if you do nothing, it seems to be inappropriate. In other words, let people work a certain number of hours a week to make some money on their own. Let the government top it up with that $2,000, something like that, because it seems otherwise you're really discouraging people from doing work they otherwise might be able to do. You bring up a really good point there. You know, one of the other things Trudeau noted when talking about tweaking the program was that it it, it can encourage workers like personal support workers at nursing homes to stay home because they can make more money from that than they can from actually going to work in what has been quite a dangerous situation in many pockets across the country. So to me, this was, you know, a pretty telling example of just how how important the benefit is, how hard it is to get it right the first time, and perhaps just how little our society values uh, personal support workers, at least through their salaries. 
what do you think about how the government has designed this program and how it is grappling with these changes that it needs to make on the fly? Yeah, I think it's doing it best as can. Remember, the government itself is understaffed. People are working from home. They're not having big conference meetings. It's very difficult to operate a massive bureaucracy for millions of people and get it all right the first time. I think they're working very, very hard around the clock. They're figuring out with input from the public uh, what's working, what's not working. Uh, That's why we see so many changes to these programs so far. You know, would it be better just to wait and wait till they get it all right? Uh, They could do that, but we don't have the time for that. So they want to get the information out there as quick as possible, let them get the feedback, which they're getting very, very quickly. And then they tweak the programs, you know, um, as they've been coming out. So I think they're doing the right thing. Uh, You know, would have been great to figure all this out in advance, but I think it's hard. I think it's very hard to anticipate every possible scenario in advance. Absolutely, especially in a scenario that does seem to change daily. Speaking of getting things out quickly, small businesses have been clamoring for as much help as they can get from the government during this time when consumers are staying home and simply not shopping as much or using the services that small businesses provide. So first, the government announced the temporary wage subsidy, which would be up to 10% for small, medium businesses. What did you think of that first move? Well, it was a nice start. It was easy to do. It was very efficient, but it just wasn't enough. In other words, you're able to literally reduce your uh, remittances uh, from payroll immediately. You get cash. It's a very smart way of actually getting cash to employ Employers, uh, right away because they're withholding it from their paychecks of their employees and just not sending it in. So it's a great way to get cash. It's brilliant. Uh, unfortunately, it was only 10%. And that wasn't enough. There was an outcry from businesses saying a 10% wage subsidy is just not going to cut it. We're not going to be able to hire workers. It jumped very, very quickly to 75%. In fact, now we have two programs. Uh, the 75% is very, very meaningful. That's definitely the right thing to be doing. Now, that's the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy. So this is applicable to companies that have lost more than 30% of their revenue due to coronavirus. And Ottawa plans to subsidize 75% of their workers' wages up to $847 a week. So this is the massive program. This is the big kahuna. It's expected to cost $71 billion. How effective do you think this program will be? I think it will all depend on how fast the money can get out there. So again, businesses are telling us that they need the money today. And this could take three, four, five, even six weeks to get the money out there. Uh, The question is, can they bridge that time period? In other words, can they get the loans that they need from the banks? There's obviously some special loan programs uh, being backstopped by the government as well. Can they get that loans in there fast enough to be able to hire back the employees and then apply for the wage subsidy? You've got to actually pay the employees to get the subsidy. I think it will help. Uh, I think it will depend on a business by business basis. Uh, They might have to apply for it and and then get it before they can hire the people back. But, uh, you know, I think it's the right step. Uh, Not every business will be able to take advantage of it because they don't have the money. But for businesses that were thinking of laying people off and maybe they can let them go another couple of weeks, uh, this will be very, very beneficial. Uh, What do you think is the most efficient way to roll this out? Well, I think they're doing the right thing. I mean, they are doing it uh, through the CRA system. You have to have a My Business account. You go on, you register. Uh, You have to remember that there is a massive opportunity here potentially for fraud, and they were very serious about that. Penalties, and including fines, even imprisonment for people trying to, you know, provide misleading information to get these benefits. So the government really has to be careful uh, when it's paying out large, large amounts of money. Uh, you know, if $847 a week is a lot of money. Um, they want to make sure they get it right and they want to make sure that they 
they have registered employers and that they're on the system and they can track it. So I think they're doing the right thing. Uh, I think it's going to be challenging to get the money out any faster. So I'm not sure what else you could do. With the first system, while brilliant at 10%, uh, it's just not going to work. When your wage subsidy is 75%, you're not withholding 75% in taxes. Our rates are not that high. Uh, with 10%, it worked. With 75%, it doesn't work. So I don't know what other way you have of getting legitimate money into the legitimate hands of legitimate businesses. Another step that the government has taken for small businesses is this temporary loan, a $40,000 loan of of which $10,000 can be forgiven if they're not able to pay it back within a certain amount of time. What is this going to help with? Well, I think this is the, they're calling this the Canada Emergency Business Account, and it's an interest-free loan, 40,000 bucks for both businesses and charities. It really help businesses cover their operating costs during a period where revenues really have been, have been dramatically reduced. It's guaranteed by the Canadian government. It's administered by your local financial institution. And to qualify, all you have to do is demonstrate that you've paid between $50,000 and $1 million in total payroll in 2019. That's based on the T4 summary that you filed. And then, as you mentioned, $10,000 up to 25% of the loan will be forgiven if you pay that balance by December 31st, 2022. So the first thing business owners should do, of course, is if go to your primary banker, uh, wherever you have your business accounts, business operating account, and uh, just approach them. A lot of them are using online portals to apply. And uh, and then you can be uh, given that uh, cash flow uh, as soon as it's approved and it gets funded online through your business banking account. Now, is this a wise move to take? I've heard from some entrepreneurs, uh, particularly smaller retail restaurant type businesses that are saying, look, I don't want to take out a $40,000 loan to pay my rent when I don't even know if my business is going to survive through this. What would you say to those folks? Yeah, it's a tough call. So again, it depends how long that $40,000 will last. And then you have to pay it back other than 25% of it. And the other thing is, of course, you have to, uh, you don't have to pay interest, but you know, it's got to be a viable decision. So you really have to look at each individual business. Does this make sense? Is this going to be the help that I need to sort of push me over, keep me in business? If I think this is going to go on two or three months, you know, is it covering a few months rent and then I can get back on board uh, or do I have to take more drastic measures? What is this going to mean for small businesses and businesses in general trying to figure out how to pay taxes this year when tax season comes around? I can only imagine how many accountants the CRA is going to need to hire. Yeah, well, hopefully it'll all be tracked electronically. So every business has got its own payroll account. Every business also has a business number. And this is all going to be logged into the system. So theoretically, when they get the computer system properly working, they should be able to match the wage subsidy with reported payroll on the T4 slip and do an audit automatically to make sure that the right people are getting the wage subsidy. So hopefully that that automatic system will work. And finally, I just wanted to... You know, just given the scale of how the coronavirus pandemic has affected our economy so quickly, there's been layoffs in volumes that were absolutely unanticipated with hundreds of thousands of people losing their jobs and predictions that that could go up to a couple million people, potentially even three million people, representing a massive surge in the unemployment rate here in Canada. I'm wondering, how what are you going to be looking for when we're moving forward and when we're discussing how to get back to some semblance of normal? Well, I think uh, the most important thing, obviously, is, is the duration. I mean, 
how long will this go on for? How many weeks? How many months uh, do people have to stay in this sort of self-isolating mode? Because that will really determine the trajectory of the economy. Because if it goes on for weeks, you know, maybe we'll be okay. If it goes on for months, it's, it's a lot more problematic. Some businesses will be able to reopen based on the duration. Some may never reopen. And what do you do about that? And what do you do about, you know, uh, all the retail and commercial businesses and rents that are being paid? It's a very complicated system. I don't think anyone really knows. But I think the government is, is sort of doing the right thing, getting cash in the hands of most Canadians, getting cash in the hands of business owners, trying to stimulate that economy so that hopefully if this thing doesn't go on too long, uh, we'll be able to bounce out of it a lot more smoothly than otherwise we might have. Jamie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. That was Jamie Gollenbeck, National Post tax columnist and managing director of tax and estate planning with CIBC. Thank you so much for listening to Down to Business during these pandemic times. A big thank you to our team for pulling this together remotely. Music and production by Bryce Hall, editing by Yudula Hussain, and web support by Pamela Heaven. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and write us on your podcast app. I'm Emily Jackson, and until next week, you can get all your business news at financialpost.com.